Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing well today. Good morning to you. It is Wednesday, August 11th. It is 10.30 a.m., and that means it is time for Bible study. Today, we are studying Hebrews chapter 7. We've studied the first six chapters of Hebrews already, and you can find those on the Grace Abides podcast or the No Shortage of Questions podcast. Now, before we get into Hebrews 7, just want to set a little bit of context for you here. Remember, the, the title of the book is Hebrews It was written to the Hebrews, which means that it was written to people who grew up Jewish but then became Christian. And so the context of this chapter is the high priest. This chapter is going to be all about the high priest. The high priest was the mediator between God and the community. And so this chapter is going to talk about Jesus being our high priest and the power that that has for us. So uh, let's jump right in, verses 1 through 3. This King Melchizedek of Salem priest of the Most High God, met Abraham as he was returning from defeating the kings and blessed him. And to Abraham apportioned, to him, Abraham apportioned one-tenth of everything. His name in his first place means king of righteousness. Next, he is also king of Salem, that is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So what does that mean? So Abraham went off to war. He went off to war against a confederation of kings who took his nephew captive. And Abraham goes off to war and wins the war. And on his way back, he encounters this uh, Melchizedek. Melchizedek, who is this priest who comes from uh, Jerusalem. He's the king over the city of Jerusalem. Salem, it says Salem here, but Salem is another ancient name for the city of Jerusalem. And Abraham uh, is honored to be encountered by Melchizedek. And Melchizedek blesses Abraham. And Abraham gives him one-tenth of all his possessions, either one-tenth of everything he has or one-tenth of everything he just won in the war. Uh, and so uh, and so then we hear there, there's no genealogy from Melchizedek. Like, where did he come from? He just appears out of nowhere. There's no mother. There's no father. We, we don't know anything about him, right? Uh, and so the question, where does he come from? And, and so Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, doesn't really give us anything more to go on. And so scholars have debated for years as to where Melchizedek came from or who he actually is. Was he just kind of a phantom that uh, sent by God from heaven just to show up and, and to remind Abraham that God is with him? Or, or is others have said that this is Jesus? This is a reference to Jesus in the Old Testament. Prior to Jesus being born of Mary, Jesus comes to earth as the form of this high priest and encounters Abraham on the road, and Abraham gives him a tenth of all that he has, and then he blesses Abraham. He blesses Abraham, and that's what verse 6 and 7. But this man, who does not belong to their ancestry, collected tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had received the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior." So Melchizedek shows that he is greater than Abraham when he blesses Abraham, and Abraham then gives him a tenth of all that he has. Now, the reason why this is all very important is because the the Jewish people of this time, when this was written, they were people who grew up under the Mosaic Covenant, under the Mosaic Law, and that's the, you know, as we know the story of Exodus, how Moses leads the people out of Egypt through the Red Sea and into the Promised Land, there are the Ten Commandments given to them, and basically the Ten Commandments are a contract between God and the people. And the contract is, I will be your God and you will be my people if you do these 10 things. And those 10 things grow to more than 600. It's the law, right? And, and so as part of that, basically Israel is reset up. It's, it's, it, it's 
it's re- it's a new community set up with all these laws about you know what you can eat and what you can wear and who's going to be the priest. And the priest came from the line of Aaron, which was Moses's brother. And so all that is the the context and that that sets up the the Jewish faith of this this day. But Abraham precedes that. Abraham is before Moses. And before the promise given to was given to Moses, there was a promise given to Abraham. And so that promise was given given to Abraham went like this. Instead of I will be your God and you will be my people because you do the right things, it says God saw Abraham's faith and reckoned it to him as righteousness, meaning it's not a covenant based on Abraham's works. It's not it's not a covenant based on his ability to uh, to, to know the law and to do what is right, it's based on his faith. Abraham believed, and God saw his faith and reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now, so if you're a first century Jewish person and you're reading this, this wouldn't make sense to you. Like, who is this guy? How can he be a priest if he's not in Aaron's line, if he's not a Levite? Uh, he doesn't come from the right tribe. And so you know, the people uh, would have been confused. It wouldn't make sense. It would be a stumbling block to them. Because if we can't get something to make sense, it's hard for us to believe it. Uh, the same is true for us today, right? How do we, how do we overcome the, the things that we struggle with intellectually? The parts of our faith that don't make sense to us. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that just don't make sense to us, doesn't make sense to us. Like, like we have this understanding of like God fitting in a box. We have this box and if God doesn't fit in there and it doesn't make sense to us, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe in miracles. It's hard to believe in how can Jesus rise from the dead? How can he come back? How can he bring others back from the dead? How can he feed so many people? Uh, we have the story of five loaves of fish and uh, 12 uh, I'm sorry, five loaves of fish, five loaves of bread and 12 fish. And Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And there's so many different books written out there about how people are trying to explain how that happened without actually letting it just be a miracle, right? Well, it wasn't actually that Jesus fed that amount of people with what it's that people saw that Jesus started to share what he had and they pulled out the food in their bags and they started to share what they had. And all of a sudden there was enough food for everyone to be fed. And it wasn't that there was more food than, you know, Jesus made more food out of what little food they had. It was that everyone, once everyone pulled out what they had and they shared it, there was enough to go around. It's a great stewardship lesson, but that's not what the scripture says. And so if we can't wrap our minds around what the scripture says, we like to come up with other ways for it to make sense. But why can't we just let what the scripture says be what the scripture says? Let the story be true as it is. And if it doesn't make sense to us, that's when we say, well, that's God, right? Because God is not going to fit in our box. We are not going to be able to make sense of everything that God does. We are not going to be able to make sense of everything that God says. Like creation how was the world created? You know, we try so hard to understand how we got here. And so, you know, scientists have come up with all these theories, but go back to the very, very, very beginning, right? There was just a bunch of gases. Where did the gases come from? There was a big bang. What happened? Well, we don't have the answers to those questions yet. Well, sometimes we don't have to answer every question. We just believe. We just believe that God is there and that God did it. And, and we are grateful for what God has done. And so we continue uh, more about the priesthood in verses 11 through 14. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood for the people received the law under this priesthood, what further need would there have been to speak of another priest arising according to the order of Melchizedek rather than one according to the order of Aaron? 
For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. Now the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Okay, so just kind of reiterating the point I made. The Levitical priesthood is a priesthood associated with the law of Moses. Jesus did not come from the Levites, right? He came from the tribe of Judah. But the priesthood of Melchizedek is associated with Abraham, not with Moses. So Jesus couldn't be a priest according to Mosaic law. He's from the wrong tribe. But remember, these are two covenants, two covenants. And so the priesthood of Moses is made up of the Mosaic covenant. The priesthood, or the, the covenant with Abraham is not associated with a covenant of Moses. And so it, you do not need to come through the Levitical priesthood. Now, it's important to say this, that we want to, most people say, well, the, the priesthood of Moses is the one that's more important. But the priesthood, or I'm sorry, the covenant of Moses is the one that's more important. But what the writer is saying to the Jewish people who understand the Jewish history is the covenant made with Abraham is older than the covenant made with Moses. It goes back before the covenant made with Moses. And so it's not that uh, it's not that this new priesthood is trying to come up with something new. It's returning back to the first covenant. Now, now we say, well, they would say, well, Jesus can't be a priest because Jesus is not in the line of the Levites. But there were priests in the line of the Levites who conspired against Jesus and had him put to death. So obviously the priesthood that from that come from the Levites is wrong. It's messed up. It's corrupt. If, if they're the ones who conspired to put Jesus to death, that's not who we want to build our faith on. We want to build our faith on Jesus, right? The priesthood that comes from Moses, I'm sorry, Abraham, goes all the way back to the covenant made with Abraham. And so it's so important. And now this, this next two verses, this is just makes the point here. So all the other verses leads up to this one. There is, on the one hand, the abrogation of an earlier commandment because it was weak and ineffectual, for the law made nothing perfect. There is, on the other hand, the introduction of a better hope through which we approached God. So basically, there is, on one hand, the abrogation of the repealing of an earlier commandment, the one with Moses, because it was weak and ineffectual, for the law made nothing perfect. The law makes nothing perfect. The law makes nothing perfect. It's such an important lesson for them 2,000 years ago and for us today. The law sets the standard. It sets the standard. It tells you what's expected, what God wants, but it doesn't make you perfect. Instead, it just shows you how you fall short, right? It, it, it's weak. It just shows you how you fall short. It doesn't, it doesn't save your soul. It doesn't forgive you. It just is the diagnosis to our problem. It doesn't solve our problem. Problem. When we have the law, we know the mistakes that we make. When we have the law, we see how uh, unworthy we are of God's love. And so we need a better hope. We need a better hope through which we can approach God. And that is the promise that is made to us. The promise, same promise that was made to Abraham and the promise that is made to us through Jesus is that we have a relationship based on grace, not a relationship based on the law. We have a relationship where Jesus sees our faith and reckons it to us as righteousness. Doesn't see our deeds, doesn't see our works. Now, we as Christians in the year 2021, right, we still have this basic assumption that good people go to heaven and bad people don't. But that's not what this is saying. This is saying that 
that it's not about works. It's not about the good things and the bad things you do. It's about faith. It's all based on faith. It's all based on faith. And and verse 22 says, Jesus has also become the guarantee of the new test of the of a better covenant. Jesus has also become the guarantee of a better covenant. What does that mean? Well, the old covenant had a mediator, Moses. Moses was the mediator between God and the people. But there was no one to guarantee the people's side of the covenant, right? Because it was a contract. The people will do this and God will do this and we're going to sign. And Moses was the mediator who brought it together. But if the people failed, there was no co-signer to guarantee. But the new covenant, the better covenant, has a co-signer. Jesus is the co-signer. Basically, Jesus says that I will be your God and you will be my people. And there's nothing you can do so that I'll look at you and say, yeah, I'm no longer going to be your God, right? Jesus co-signs on it for us. Jesus guarantees it. So there's nothing that can be taken away from us. So this new covenant that is made by Jesus, through Jesus, with Jesus, is guaranteed by Jesus. So we are saved by grace through faith. And oh, by the way, if you make mistakes, I'm going to guarantee it myself. How amazing is that? And so we'll just finish out the chapter here. Verses 23 through 24. Furthermore, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. So the former priests, when they died, a new priest a new priest would come up and rise up in the ranks and become the next high priest. And every time there was a high priest, the law would change a little bit, right? Because the high priest is the high priest and they're the ones in charge and they get to change things. And so basically what this is saying is Jesus is the permanent high priest. We no longer need a high priest. Jesus is permanent. He continues forever. And the unchanging nature of his priesthood means that salvation is never taken away. That if God, the the promise that God has made to us in Jesus Christ will never be taken away because Jesus will never be superseded by another high priest who will then take office and say, yeah, we're going to change things up. We're going to revert back to the way Moses did it. And so Jesus continually represents us before the Father. Jesus is our continual representative. You know, it's weird talking about him being our representative and us talking about term limits. Well, we want term limits. We only want to be represented for so many years. But Jesus is our representative for all of eternity, and he continues forever. But that means that the law, the law never changes. The, the promises of God never change. And so when we talk about the, the covenant never changes, Right. You have been saved by grace through faith, and you will always be saved by grace through faith. God will never go back on that. God will never say, okay, from now on, it's going to be based on works. Let's change things up a little bit. So that is great news. That is Jesus, our high priest, and we are grateful to have a high priest who says, I will guarantee your side of the contract, uh, and we are saved by faith. So let's uh, close there with a word of prayer. A good and gracious God, we thank you for the faith that you give us, for the ways in which you give us hope, for how you are with us to strengthen us and how you are our representative. Uh, we, we pray that your grace would transform us and that our, our transformed lives would go out into the world and, and show your grace to others and share our faith and life with others. 
We thank you so much for everything you've done for us. And uh, we pray for uh, all those who are less fortunate, all those who are battling illness, and for a world that uh, is hurting, Lord. Uh, may, you, may your spirit comfort us and give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful day, and I will see you next week. Take good care of yourselves.